But today we are talking about freedom. Yeah, all right. You can have freedom. That's what I'm talking about. There's a few people that are ready for some freedom. And I hope that you all will be, because in Christianity, in the gospel, is the only way that we can find true freedom. I got a few amens, but most people today would not say that freedom is what Christianity is about. In fact, I think if you took a poll of people, I think freedom might be the last thing they say about Christianity. Sadly, some of it's our fault. But some of it, a lot of it is a misunderstanding of what Christianity, what the gospel is. Most people, if you ask them to describe Christianity, they say rules. Maybe they say we're a little repressed. There's laws that you have to follow and all these things that you have to do. And we talked about that a lot in the book of Galatians. But that's not what Christianity is. It's not what the gospel is. In fact, in the gospel alone is true freedom. It's the only way to find true freedom. There are um, different slavery in our world. And I think everyone is in slavery to something. There's two different types of slavery we're going to talk about today. Two different types of slavery. And, and it's not the answer to just do whatever you want. That's the slavery of sin. And then there's also the slavery of, okay, I have to be a perfect person and follow all these rules and regulations. No matter your religion, it doesn't matter. There's different laws. That's the slavery of the law. But in Christianity, there's a third way. There's true freedom. Freedom from sin and freedom from the law. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you are following along in your bulletin, the first point that I want you to get is that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, sets you free from sin. Sets you free from sin. And we're going to see this in verse 8 of chapter 4. Paul writes, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? Now, Paul assumes here something, and he only mentions it in two verses. He assumes something that his audience, the Galatian church, would have understood. But I think most of us don't, or a lot of people in our culture today don't get. So I'm going to spend this first point talking about this, because most people don't think of sin as slavery. Most people think that sin is freedom, but it's not. And Jesus said in John 8, 34, I tell you for certain, I tell you for certain that anyone who sins is a slave to sin. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. In that passage that we read in verse 8, Paul said, okay, you're slaves to those who by nature are not gods. God has said this is how you should live, but we have different gods in our world, false gods. We don't even realize that there are gods that we're serving them and obeying them. And that is what sin is. It shackles us, it constrains us, and it's a sad thing that people think that's what the gospel teaches. It's a sad thing that people think Christianity is that way. And in fact, I've heard this phrase, can we stop using it? Um, when, especially talking about marriage, people, even Christians say that um, you know, sex is for the confines of marriage. Have you heard that phrase? Sin is like so restrictive, right? And, and it's like restricting, it's all you can do, and there's these shackles on you. For, for life. And, and it goes for all different sins. People think that Christianity is the shackle, but it's not. Sin is the shackle. Because when we begin to sin, we begin to have to sin. And we want to do that thing over and over and over again. And it seems to feel good at first, but then it begins to control your life and you can't get away from it. It, it slaves you. It begins to control your mind. We, we know this with substances. We know this with drinking or smoking. 
whatever the thing is, you begin to do it first because it feels like freedom. You, you puff that cigarette, oh, it feels free to do it the first time when you're a teenager, right? Oh, I can do this and nobody knows that. I'm free. And, and then you begin to smoke more and more and then you need it. And then it's so hard to break away from that addiction. It begins to control you. And it's not just substances. It's all sin. If we begin to sin and do it for a while, it transforms our minds, so we have to continue to do that thing. There's neuroscientists that are studying things like this. For example, with pornography, first it feels like freedom to someone to see it. But then the more and more you do it, it shapes your mind, so you have to continue to do it. You can't get away from it. But it can be any sin. It can be anything that we do. We feel like we have to do it. Keep doing it. Looking at your screen. Looking at Facebook. Hmm? Not that in itself it's sin, but it become, begins to enslave you. You have to do it, and then it's taking away time from your family and your work, and then it actually does become sin. But these things begin to enslave us. They rewire our brain chemistry. You know, when I counsel people and, and talk with people, one of the sure signs for me that someone is addicted to something is when they say I can stop at any time. Oh, any time I can do it, I'm not addicted. Weed isn't addictive. No, I can stop at any time. And then you say, okay, then stop. And they say, oh, I just don't want to. Okay. It's hard to break addiction. And that's what we, when we do these things in our world, when we engage in sin, it begins to control our life. And if you're saying, well, Matt, it doesn't feel like slavery. It doesn't feel like I'm being confined to this thing. And that's because you've never tried to stop. Rosa Luxemburg said that he who does not move does not notice his chains. You don't notice that you're enslaved to this thing. And that's what sin does to our lives. When we do them again and again, it begins to control our lives. Paul talked about this. I love this section of Romans chapter 7 because it's so honest and it's how a lot of us feel. He says, I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Have you ever felt that? It's this good thing you want to do, and then you don't do it. This bad thing you don't want to do, and then you do it. It's like you don't even have control of yourself. Have you been there? I have. I have. Sin can control us. And the only reason why you say it isn't controlling you is because you haven't tried to stop. And once you do, you realize, well, this is hard. Now, today I think if you did ask people what is freedom, they would say, well, it's just doing whatever you want. Whatever you feel like. That's freedom, right? But the very problem with that, even if we're not talking about faith, we're not talking about religion, we don't bring in anything that the Bible says, that is absurd. Because we have different feelings and desires and wants at war within us. Say, I would really like to lose 20 pounds. But I'd also really like to have that second dessert. You know? We have these things going on inside us warring. It, it can be something else. I really want to stay faithful to my spouse, but boy, does she look good. We have these different desires at war within our souls. We all do. We all do. So if you just said, freedom is doing whatever you want, well, at what time? <laughs> Which feelings? 
The reality is doing whatever you want can lead us into sin. And sin is a slave master. And it is cruel. In Acts 13.39, there's a solution. It says, By this Jesus, everyone who believes is set free from all those sins from which he could not be freed by the law of Moses. We cannot be freed from sin by trying harder. We need Jesus Christ to set us free from our sin. We need Jesus Christ to set us free from our sin. So I hope today, if you're feeling the slavery of sin or addiction, that you would find freedom from Jesus Christ. It's possible. Now, with this concept of freedom and, and just doing whatever you want, I, there are two different types of freedom. I want you guys to see this. There are two different types of freedom. And you can think about it by jumping out of a plane. How, who in here has been skydiving? Anybody? First service, we had a few. Even the second service, the wimps. Don't worry, I haven't been either. I don't know. But if you were to think about it, someone's like, I want to go skydiving, I want to fly, I want to feel the air on me, I just want to fly like a bird, that'll be so freeing. And that's a sense of freedom, right? And you're free for a while, right, if you're just jumping out of the plane. But if you have no parachute, you're a slave to something, aren't you? What? Gravity. Yeah, you're a slave to too. You're a slave to gravity, because at some point, the ground will hit you. <laughs> it feels free for a little while, right? Until you hit the ground. Until you hit the ground. But there's another type of freedom. You could fly. You could feel the air in your hair. You could see the whole world and fly like a bird. And then pull your ripcord from your parachute. And land. And then say, I could do that again. That's the type of freedom we want, right? With sin, there is a slavery to gravity. At some point, it will bring consequences to your life. At some point, your marriage and your family will be destroyed by what you're doing in private. At some point, what you're doing will catch up to you in this life or the next. You will hit the ground. There is a slavery that you go into if you say, I want the freedom of jumping without the parachute. There's a freedom that only Christ can give because when we say we follow Christ, we do have the freedom of the air, but also the freedom of to know that we survive. Because Jesus Christ took the consequences for us. He died in our place. He faced the consequences and faced hell. So we don't have to. If we believe in him. Only freedom is found in Jesus Christ. True freedom. So if you're here today and you are struggling with the sin. And you're saying, I'm stuck in it. If you're saying, I, I, I've never believed in Jesus Christ. So I, I do know there's consequences coming. Or if this addiction that just keeps bringing down on you and bearing down on you. It's time today to find freedom in Christ. Today is the day you're going to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You're going to repent of those sins. And repentance means saying, I'm going to turn away from that and turn to Jesus. Because in Him alone is true freedom. And you're going to need to live in that freedom for the rest of your life because that sin is going to want to pull you back to cruel slavery. There's a second type of slavery. There's a second type, and that comes to our second point. Is that the gospel sets you free from the law. The gospel sets you free from the law. The law, religion, having to do all this stuff to get right with God, that in itself is a form of slavery. And that's what the majority of the section of chapter 4 is about. Start in the end of chapter 9, that last sentence, Paul writes, Do you wish to be enslaved by forces all over again? 
You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. So this may sound strange, but Paul is saying that these people in the Galatian church are going into the slavery of religious customs and rules. The Jewish religion, there were certain days you had to celebrate, certain weeks that you had to be um, at the temple worshipping. There were certain seasons and years that you had to follow. But when Jesus came, he freed us from all of those rules and rituals and traditions into freedom that we don't have to follow the law anymore. We don't have to follow those same days and months and seasons. And it may sound silly to you, but people were falling again into that slavery. And he goes on in verse 12. He says, I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. And from verse, verses 12 to all the way to 20, he pleads with these Galatians. They're his friends. He loves them. He says, hey, we go way back. We go way back. And, and do you remember the time I was sick? He tells us this instance in his life. He was really sick, and the Galatians welcomed him into their home and cared for him until he got better. They were friends. They go way back. And he's pleading with them. He says, you welcomed me like Jesus Christ. And now you're turning away from the freedom that I taught you. And there's these Judaizers, these people that want to say, believe in Jesus, but also you have to continue to follow the law. These rules, rituals, days that you have to remember. You have to do all the Jewish rituals if you want to be saved. And Paul says, don't listen to them. Listen to me. I'm your friend. We're friends. And, and then, um, as we... Um, look at verse 21, Paul is going to give one illustration to help solidify this point before he really reaches the climactic moment in all of Galatians. In verse 21 he says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a divine promise. Now Paul references something that probably this audience knew a lot better than we do in the Old Testament. He's referencing a story from Genesis about Abraham. Abraham was the father of our faith. He was the first one that God said, I'm choosing you, and I'm going to bless you, and through the world I'm going to bless you. And Paul says, okay, remember that? The way that God blessed the entire world was only through one of Abraham's children. You see, Abraham was very old. He was 75 when God called him and said, I'm going to bless the world through your seed, through your offspring. And at the time, he had no children. And, according to Jewish custom, you had to have a son. And it was only through your firstborn son that this blessing could go through, this inheritance. Well, how is that going to happen if he doesn't have a son? So he and his wife were very old. They didn't know what to do. And they waited for a while and nothing seemed to happen. And finally, Sarah, Abraham's wife, said, why don't you take my servant, my slave, this woman named Hagar, have a child with her? So that's what they did. Okay? The Bible, I love how honest the Bible is. Okay? Because it tells us that everybody in there except Jesus has tons of weaknesses and sin, let's be honest. We fit right in, right? So Abraham slept with his wife's slave, this woman Hagar. And they had a son named Ishmael. But God said, no, no, no. You're supposed to have a child through Sarah will be the one that will bless the world. So after another long time, finally, uh, God allowed Sarah to conceive. She gave birth to a child named Isaac. God said, it's going to be through Isaac, not Ishmael, that I'm going to bless the world. So Paul uses this as an analogy here. He says, remember that. 
that there was the child of the free woman, Sarah, and the child of the slave woman, Hagar. He says, okay, I just want you to think about that. There's two children, but only one of them is free. Only one of them has the promise. Only one of them has the blessing. And if you try to follow the law and live in the slavery to be perfect and always try to follow these religious customs, you are not going to be accepted by God. You're not going to be the child of the blessing. But if you follow the, the freedom of the promise of Jesus Christ in the gospel, you can have freedom. So he finishes up this section in verse 28 by saying, Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are ch- children of promise. And in verse 31, he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. I don't want you to live in slavery. I don't want you to be confined to even the law. And the law is a good thing. Talked about. I want you to live in the freedom of the children of God. I want you to live in the freedom of the children of God. The law can hold us like a prisoner. In Romans 7 6, Paul said, In the past, the law held us like prisoners. But our old selves died, and we were made free from the law. So now we serve God in a new way, not in the old way with written rules. Now we serve God in a new way with the Spirit. Because now God has written how we're supposed to live on our hearts. He's given us our spirits to lead us to how we are supposed to live. So we don't need to be slaves to the law any longer. We can live in a freedom. And we are going to follow Christ. We are going to serve God, but not because we have to and try to be perfect. But because God has changed our hearts and put his spirit in us to lead us to live a new life. Christianity is freedom from the law. Most people don't get this. Most people still think that Christianity is all about the law and rules and regulations. I heard a story um, from a guy named Bart. And Bart was a youth leader. He was really good at working with inner city kids. So he was taking a group of a few hundred youth to a weekend retreat. And he was running a little late with his van, his big van full of teenagers, and he got a call from the camp. And it was from one of the counselors. There were only two at the camp at this time. This guy called him up and said, hey, there's only two of us here, and there's 200 kids. We need you to get here as quick as you can. Because we can't handle these kids. <laughs> we can't handle them. So Bart puts the pedal to the metal, right? He's driving his van and trying to go as fast as he can, until, boom, he hits something, one of his rear tires pops. So he's frustrated. He's angry. He's trying to get there, and he's stressed. So he pulls over with this van full of teenagers, and they have to all pile out of the van, and they take all the bags out of the back so he can get the spare tire out of the back, and then he takes the jack, and he puts it up his van, and he starts cranking it up. And as he's doing that, the jack slips, the whole van falls. And what does he say? Praise be to God. No. He, he lets loose with a few words that he shouldn't have said, right in front of all of these teenagers. And he just kind of lowers his head, he finishes the job, he drives to the camp, and, and they have a good weekend there. On the way back, one of the teenagers is sitting next to him in the passenger seat and says, Wow, this was a great weekend. I think I want to be a Christian now. So Bart is really excited. He says, That's awesome. What was it that changed you? What was it that changed your heart? Was it, was it the speakers that we brought in? Was it the Bible study we did? Was it one of the conversations we had? And the kid says, No, no, no. It was on our way here when that jack fell and the van fell and you said those words. I thought if he could be a Christian, so can I. <laughs> See, we all have this impression that you have to be perfect to be a Christian. 
But you have to follow the rules and the regulations of the law. But no, we are set free from even that. And in our imperfections and sins, we are saved. Even still. Maya Angelou, in her great poem, wrote, When I say I am a Christian, I'm not shouting, I'm clean living. I'm whispering, I was lost, now I'm found and forgiven. When I say I am a Christian, I don't speak of this with pride. I'm confessing that I stumble and need Christ to be my God. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not trying to be strong. I'm professing that I'm weak and need his strength to carry on. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not bragging of success. I'm admitting I have failed and need God to clean my mess. When I say I am a Christian, I'm not claiming to be perfect. My flaws are far too visible, but God believes I'm worth it. When I say I'm a Christian, I'm not holier than thou. I'm just a simple sinner who received God's good grace somehow. We are not under the law anymore. We have a freedom that even though we're imperfect, even though we fail again and again, we have grace and salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the freedom we have. And it's a true freedom that you can't find anywhere else. Do you remember what Genie in the uh, movie Aladdin said? You know, Robin Williams. He said, to be free, such a thing would be greater than all the magic and all the treasures of the world. It's true. And the world doesn't provide us freedom. Sin leads us to destruction. The law leads us to bring push down and never feeling good enough. But in Christ, through the gospel, we have true freedom. And that's when we come to this climactic moment in the book of Galatians, in chapter 5, verse 1, where he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. It's for freedom. Now, even though most people wouldn't say that Christ has set us free for freedom, but that's the reality of it. That's the reason he set us free, so we live in true freedom. The purpose of our salvation, one of them, is that we could live a free life. Not under sin, not under the law. And that's why our third point is that the gospel alone offers you true freedom. In 2 Corinthians 3.17 it says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And in John 8.36 Jesus said, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. So are you living in that freedom right now? Are you living in slavery of sin, a slavery of the law? I really think that we're riding on this, this path in our Christian life. And it's so easy to fall into either ditch on either side, right? To fall into the ditch of sin, fall into the ditch of the law, and it's almost like we're going back and forth. But there's a third way through the gospel to find true freedom. And, and you know it is the true freedom. It is the true freedom of following Jesus Christ. Um, the, the reality is we will still be drawn to those two things, but we need to follow that path if we want to find true freedom. You know, it's because it's what we were called to live for, to live following Jesus Christ, to live in his freedom. I came home one day when I was a kid. I had saved up a ton of money and, and bought a 20-gallon aquarium. Spent all my money on this thing, set it up, had all these great fish in there, and I came home one day and I found a fish on the ground. It was dried up and dead. It had decided that it wanted freedom from the confines of the aquarium, right? But a fish out of water is not free. In the water, it, could, it was fed, it was taken care of, it had water that could swim around in. It had freedom. But when it jumped out and thought, I don't want to be in this water anymore, that's 
when it found the slavery of gravity and of oxygen for a fish. It's only in Christ that we can have true freedom. You know, in Nebraska, we, where we lived, we had a train come by every six minutes. Yeah, there was big, great big steam engines, and there was a lot from the Union Pacific Railroad. Huge engines that pulled, it seemed like mile-long uh, trains, right? Just these engines were so powerful, able to push these uh, huge loads. They were extremely powerful trains. But if you took one of those trains and you moved it two feet to the north, what happens? It doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't matter how much power it has. It needs to be on rails. So when we follow Jesus Christ, we're living the way that we were called to live. And that is where true freedom is. It's this third way. Not in sin. Not in the law. But in following Jesus Christ. And it begins to transform us. Now some of us really kind of bristle at all I've been talking about freedom because you say, well doesn't that just lead people to sin and do bad things? If they feel like they have this freedom, they don't have to follow the law anymore. But the reality is that we have the Spirit in us that helps us with wisdom to, to, and our conscience to help us say, I'm not going to live like that. I'm, I'm not going to follow the law. I'm going to follow Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, Paul said, I am allowed to do anything, you say. My answer to this is that not all things are good. Even if it's true that I am allowed to do anything, I will not let anything control me like a slave. If you've been set free by Jesus Christ from sin and from the law, why would you go back to either one? Why would you go back to that addiction? You have been freed of it. Let's live in freedom. There is grace. There is forgiveness. Yes. But why would you want to go back to that? We can have true freedom in Jesus Christ. And and it's in this gospel that something happens in our heart that changes us. And we can be like the psalmist in Psalm 119.45 who said, So I will live in freedom. Because I want to follow your orders. Heart has been changed. Now I want to follow God. Want to do what is right. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, He freed us from our sin, freed us from the law. And I don't see how anyone could hear that, believe it, and not say, "I want to follow you, Jesus, wherever you, and do whatever you tell me to do." There's a story from the late 1840s about a rich lawyer from the north, and raised there and grew up there, and he went on his first trip to the south, and there was a slave auction. He had never seen it, didn't know what it was, so he went to this slave auction, and was appalled, because there was a woman there being sold as a slave. So he started bidding. He, he took all his money out, and he, he bid, and he bid, and he was outbidding the other person, and the price went higher and higher and higher, and finally he paid an, paid an exorbitant price for this woman. And he got her and said, you're free. You're free. I don't believe in slavery. I want you to be free. And she looked at him and said, well, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? He looked at her and said, well, you can do whatever you want. You can go wherever you want, wherever you dreamed of. She looked at him and said, well, then I'm going with you. Because she realized that this man had paid so much for her she wanted to go with him. She wanted to be with a man like that. And if Jesus Christ went on the cross and gave his life, shedding his blood, facing hell for us, how can we not want to follow him? It'll change our heart. Yes, we are free from sin, but why would we go back to it? Yes, we're free from the law. Why would we go back to that? 
I want to live in the freedom of Jesus Christ alone because that is true freedom. William Cooper, the old Puritan, wrote, To see the law by Christ fulfilled, and hear his pardoning voice, transforms a slave into a child, and duty into choice. So wherever you are today, I don't know if you're living in a slavery to sin, and you need to be freed from that. Or if you're in a slavery to the law, always trying to be better and perfect. I don't know where you are, but if you're in that slavery right now, I want to challenge you to follow Jesus and say, I believe in you. I will repent of my sin. I'll repent of trying to be perfect. I'm going to follow you in true freedom.